0: Baptist Church. We all have this moment that we remember.
1: Lived in the wilderness for a long time.
0: I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zibor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites, but I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from the Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship
1: beyond the Euphrates River
0: and, and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day.
1: said this in the first service i'm going to say it again (sighs) what worship how we get so called into to worship god in this church at times is just fabulous i'm vibrating being in the presence of the lord uh, it's just we will remember wow my name is uh, Fred Atkins, and I'm one of the elders, and uh, I welcome you here today. They've asked me to wrap up the book of Joshua and also to come along with uh, how do we take over the new land? How do we do that? Uh, the book of Joshua is filled with themes that are important today, as there were when Joshua and the Israelites began their journey in conquest. That was the fulfillment of God's promise. I would like you and I to consider two thoughts, two questions. How important to the Israelites is their God? How important to you and me is our God? What is our faith like? And the other question is, what is the importance of their obedience to, to their God? What is, how, how do we respond to that relationship that we have in obedience? Those are crucial questions, and God promises in Joshua, "I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. I will not fail you or abandon you." Joshua one three. This is my command: be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go. Joshua one one, one nine. Hello, Uh, I'm a little busy right now, Um, yeah, no, 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 I have some time to talk, I have some time to talk, it's okay, Um, listen, I'm in church, you know know the way they are with these cell phones and stuff, they get a little kind of weird, listen, I'm going to put you on the headset for a second, okay, stay where you are, let me see if I can connect the headset, okay, hold on, are you there? You're there, okay, 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 okay. Shh, shh. Uh, again, you know, I I, I, I don't want to take any any notice of this because you know the way I am. Sometimes, you know, I I think the entire church is looking at me, you know. But I understand it's only in my head. But sometimes I have that feeling that they're all looking in my direction. But that can't be right. Uh, oh, what we're doing is this book on Joshua. What? Uh, Joshua Schwartz. Who's that? What are you talking about? No, 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 no! It's a book in the Bible. What? No, it's a book in a bush It's a book in the Bible, um, and we've been doing this now for about five months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about it. Uh, just, just, just listen. Um, the first one was taking new ground. That's when we had a new leader, a new land, and a new life, and 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 how we can be a new leader, a new land, and a new life. It was really kind of exciting. And then the second one was true courage. Well, you know how hard it is to know and to be obedient to God's word. Sometimes it's so difficult. You're out in the world and you want to do this and God's word does that. And it, it takes so, so much courage. And that was a fabulous sermon. And then follow the leader. No, 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 no. Not the one in the schoolyard. Not that follow the leader. No, this was to follow the leader, this guy Joshua. And you know what happens when a whole community gets together I mean, they're like-minded and they follow the leader. It's fabulous. It's wonderful. And then, and then the next, yeah, yeah. Then the next, right? Well, just listen. Then the next uh, sermon was a prostitute's profession. What do you mean? What kind of what kind of church do I go to? I go to I go to a regular church, right? no, no, no. It's not the r rated No, just listen. It it was it's it was like this woman. Yeah, I know she was a prostitute, but God used it in an amazing way that shows that. Anyone can be included in god 's plan and this and she had such faith she was awesome. Uh, she said, "For your Lord, your God is the supreme God. This is someone who is just didn't believe in anything, and of heaven and and, and the god of, uh, of heaven above and God below and, and the earth below she was awesome. And then, and then we did another one. This was a, a great sermon called Ground Takers. And you have to follow the presence and the leading of the Lord. Have you ever done that in, in life when you say, okay, Lord, today's yours and I'm going to follow you? And yeah, it's just so exciting. And, oh, and then we had Crossing Over. That one was tough because there was water and there, they, they, there was this miraculous stuff. It was like a, like, a, like a science fiction a channel. On, and it was just wild because the water stopped and they walked over. And they, you, you, you ever take a, a step in faith? You ever take a step in faith that was, yeah, no. And then, and then they did a thing on trophies. What? Bowling trophy? What's, what's with you and bowling? No, no, this was another trophy. No, uh, Keith came up with a lot of, he called it bling. But in, that, that's not the thing. The thing was, the thing was meditate on the times that God has worked in your life. Your trophies which can give you confidence to walk in the future because of what God has done in the past. In other words, remember. I mean, it's just fabulous what he's done. Just, you know, these are trophies. These are memorials. And then and then he had another one, just like the, like, uh, remember. We have a song at church. We sing it all the time called Remember. And remember that you have been saved for a purpose. That you are, uh, remember who we are and whose we are in Christ. Remember the good things. It's, it's fabulous, and then, and then there was another one. That was a, another sermon was, faith wins. Choose to live a life as if the victory is already won. You kind of walk down the street, kind of strutting yourself because you know, you're on the good side. You're on the winner's side. It's, oh, it was a good sermon. And then, there was one about responsibility. Ah, this one was tough. Yeah had a lot to do with sin, and it's not a private matter, and sin has a ripple effect, and it messes with other people, and you got to be careful. And and, uh, and they they were telling about this guy, and he sinned, and oh, and then they lost the a, a fight, and then they... Oh, it was unbelievable, but uh, it was tough, but it was a good sermon. Was, I, I would go to that one, uh, even though it was a tough one. And then, Anatomy of Sin. What? No, 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 no. It, it, it's not a medical show. It's not... It was just a... No, it's a title. And, and it starts of... How does sin develop, you know, you get dissatisfied you're covered, you begin to the whole process of idolatry you, you have a desire that you want to do and then the desire gets bigger and it becomes a demand and then you demand that it works and then, then people don't go along with your program, then you're judging because they're messing with you and, and then you want to punish and then all of a sudden you realize uh, you're into this idol stuff, oh it's a great, great, great sermon. great sermon and then choose life I love that one, I love that one you know why? Because the, the, the thing that he said was that there was no failure that God cannot redeem us from. Oh, that made me feel good because you know my life and the things I did last year and all that kind of stuff. And I felt, Lord, I can choose life even when I screw up. Uh, just, it was just good, man. It was just good. And then, and then this one, uh, two wrongs don't make it right. It just makes it wronger. What? W-R-O-N-G-E. R, wronger. No, 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 it's not an addiction. No, no, the the pastor, no, no, he graduated from college. No, he he did graduate. No, no, forget that. Don't, don't, that's a rabbit hole. Just put it to the side. What what he was talking about is that we need to honor our commitment. Be obedient. You know why? Because when we are really people of a word, we can be sanctifying force in someone else's life. It was outrageous. And then, and then the next sermon. Oh, yeah, this one, this one was the, this was the one. How big is your God? I mean, it's it's that's the crucial question. You know, I, I was thinking about this, and if 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 God is small and people are big, then. Um, then you do the things because of people because they have so much influence because God is, is too small. It's kind of like the, when the Israelites went to the promised land at the beginning. They understood their God, but he was too small to go after the fortresses and the giants. So they, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And then if God is the same size as everybody else, it's kind of like who's got the best deal for the day. If God is like having a sale, you go with him. And if, you, and if the people have got something better, you go with them. It's kind of like wishy-washy kind of stuff, but then they were talking about when God is, when God is big and, and, and people are small. Ah, that's a life of faith. I mean, stuff really happens then. And then he then he had a a, a, a sermon on long obedience. You know, this thing uh, is like a marathon. Don't get tired and weary. You know, every day do something that's obedient and full of faith that builds you up so that you have a marathon. And then, and then it was finishing well. You know, the issue of stay with God, have an intimacy with God. Uh, oh, it's just unbelievable. And then he had one that said, who said anything about retirement? And he's talking about old people and, and stuff like that. But the whole thing was, if you serve the Lord wholeheartedly, it has nothing to do with age. You can be young, you can be old, you can be anything, but you can be a godly hero. I love that one. And the one. Then he had another one I didn't like at all. Winners and whiners. You know the way I whine. You know the way I complain. I, I just you know. I, but he says God's word enables us and empowers us to complete God's will in our lives. And I thought, you know, I'm going to stop with this whining stuff. And then, and then, and then, one of the sermons. oh, you got to listen to this one. It was zeal for truth. And a heart of love. Now that was a hard one. Because I, I don't mind telling people the truth. Uh, but I like to do it more with a club. And and, and he says, no, no, you got to do it with a heart of love too. You got to watch out for people. You got to be concerned for them. We must speak into each other's lives with a zeal for truth and a heart of love. Now well, that one I got to look at again. That was a tough one for me. And then he came up with a, a farewell to remember. And he, and he said, what is your definition of success? And what or who is the ultimate authority of your life? And I keep on thinking, yeah, that's that's the question. That's the question. You there? Yeah, yeah. So, so I want to just say one more thing about this, and and that and that comes from the the last chapter, and it, it's really wild. It says here: so fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. You see, we got free choice on this. Would you prefer the, the God your ancestors served the, beyond the Euphrates? You know, or will the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now? But then he says something that's wild. I wonder, This is what's so exciting about Joshua. Because Joshua at the beginning, at the end, this is the dude. And he says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Man, it's a dramatic story. It's a great book. Listen, they got it on. They got it. Hello? Hello? Are you listening? You know, I thought Verizon. Uh, hello? I know what I'll do. I'll hashtag it. I'll put hashtag TBC Sermons Joshua Series. Awesome. And that's the book of Joshua. That's the book of Joshua. We need to go back and take that book. We have two uh, pastors, Keith and James, that shared the word well. There wasn't a message. I didn't go out and say, oh my Let's not just be listeners of this, but let's grapple with this. It's on the the website. Go and listen to it again and and have it become part of our DNA, part of who we are. Then they asked, okay, then how do we change now? How do we do this changing now? We've seen this tremendous testimony on the book of Joshua. It's a fabulous book. But how do we do that today? Hebrews 4, 8 through 16 may lay out a three part plan in taking new ground. So, part one, as I see this, is faith in God. I'm going to read Hebrews 4, 8 through 11. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. What is our, Who is our God? And what is our belief about him? A.J. Tozer asks or makes a statement that penetrates us. What comes to your mind right now? What comes to my mind right now when we think about God? And he says that's the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Do you and I rest in God? Do we believe him and what he has done for us? Can we trust him enough to call him Abba Father? The name and relationship to God that Christ reveals to us in the Lord's Prayer. Let's look at this concept of rest. We who believe in Jesus have ceased from our own works. We no longer have to work for God's acceptance. But we can trust in Christ's finished work. Our salvation is assured. Who we are in Christ is assured. We can rest in that fact, in that relationship. The payment for your sin and my sin has been satisfied by the death of Christ. He took upon himself the iniquities, the sin of us all. His sacrifice is our unearned, marvelous, wonderful gift that is free to all who call him Lord and Savior. In Ephesians 2, 8-10, God saved you and me by his grace when you and I believed. And we can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. You're sitting next to a masterpiece. When you look into the mirror, you're a masterpiece. Of course, he says we are. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Rest in the assurance of who Christ is and what he has saved us for. Nothing is taking that away. Rest in that security. We also look forward to an eternal life of rest and wonder in God's presence. In Revelation 14:13, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, "Write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord for now on. Yes, says the Lord. they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds will follow them. Whether we're in this life or we go to the next, we have this assurance of who we are in the sight of God. Jesus Christ gives complete and perfect rest. Then Jesus said, come to me. All who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give is light the first step in taking new ground is what is your belief in God? What is your faith? What is your belief in Christ? And what is your faith in Christ? Before we enter any battle, that is the question. Lisa Trader, a while back, shared a story. And she said that as she was giving a testimony of some of the struggles in her life, she said that, that she, she saw the story of, of, of the, the, the disciples in the boat in the Sea of Galilee and there was such a storm that was raging. And these guys knew because they're fishermen that they were in real trouble. And they look around and say, where's Jesus? And he's sleeping in the back of the boat. So they go to him. That's what I would do. Wake up. Don't you realize the situation we're in? I'm in. And Jesus says to the storm, cut it out. He says to the waves, behave yourself. He says to the wind, that's it. It becomes like a sea of glass. And he turns to them and says, you know, you have little faith, but realize that no matter where we are in this continuum, he loves us. Because Lisa said, What would have happened now? This is not my faith. I struggle with this. I'm on some sort of continuum But Lisa said what would have happened if the fellas knew of the reality of this of the storm in the ocean and knew that this boat was in dire straits that their lives were at stake and They went to the back of the boat and laid down with Christ and took a nap and rested with him in the middle of the struggle Wherever our faith is, he welcomes us. But at some point, no matter what the world gives us, good, bad, or ugly, that at some point we can too rest in the Lord regardless of the circumstances of life. So on the continuum of this struggle, that's a very dramatic struggle. But I want to go on this bell-shaped curve and come over here at something that is a little bit easier. So sometimes I'm sitting in the back of the church and I'm not staring at people. I'm just, you know, I'm just one of the crowd. But sometimes I will see the Grisanti family and they're a mom and dad and they've got uh, four daughters. Now they're four young women. And every so often, they'll be sitting over here somewhere and I'll watch one of the daughters put her head on Chris, the dad's shoulder. And it says volumes to me. The sense of acceptance, of affirmation, of security, of love, of tenderness. And I thought, wow. We rest in the Lord, whether it's an everyday occurrence or some of the most troubled waters that we get into. What a strange thing to come up with at the first Part of going into combat is to rest. What kind of military strategy is that? But what kind of military strategy was there when they came, the, the Israelites came into the promised land and saw this fortress of Jericho? I just came back from Israel. You take a look at these buildings and these fortresses, they're, they're monsters. They're all made out of these stone, they're formidable. And the word of the God, of, of Lord was, walk around. What kind of strategy is that? And then at the seventh day, you know, wait for the ram's horn. And make one big blast and everybody shout and the stuff will come down. Sometimes when we are looking at the struggles of life and we look at the word and we say, Lord, is this really what you want me to do here? It doesn't seem rational. And he says, yes. Trust me. Obey. And Watch. What comes tumbling down? Part two. I call it the battle for the mind. And I'm in Hebrews 4, 12-13. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting through soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing. And all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one to whom we are accountable. That word cuts through everything. But remember who we're with. What are some of the common beliefs that come from your family of origin, or our culture, or the mass media, or your experiences? What issues or beliefs that include, but certainly not limited to, money, talent, success, getting ahead, prejudice, fears, circumstances that can cause fear, fits of anger or rage, jealousy, envy, gossip, getting even, finding comfort in food, TV, our looks, talents, all the issues of life. How do we know that our reality is the true reality, the godly reality, the scriptural reality? unless we know and live out God's word. I'm available, we have a small team here, I'm available to help others in conflict. And the core of that help is that the word of God is authoritative and completely sufficient for all aspects of life. We listen to the story, the narrative, and we search the word for wisdom and how to deal with the current situation. Then the parties involved in the dispute with the help of God's spirit search God's word for direction and the truth begins to win. Not always. Because we have free will and we can choose this day who we will serve God or ourselves. This battle to believe God and his word began in the beginning in the garden of Eden. The deceiver, first word out of his mouth is, really? Oh, really? You you read the Bible? You go to church? Really? Isn't that interesting? How cute. How quaint. And then when we read scripture, the next thing is, did God really say that? And you choose the topic. Whatever you think that you want to deal with. And you look at scripture and you, and you can hear the deceiver saying, Did 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 God really say that? You're not going to buy that, are you? Is almost the unspoken word. And our response is, oh yeah, God says it. See, we know the word, but are sorely tempted not to act on it. In trust and trust in obedience, I know that's my struggle at times. And then the deceiver continues, you won't. Whatever the consequences are of the suffering to, uh, of disobedience. In that case, you won't die. And so we believe and live out a lie, a rebellion, a deception. Then there's an attack on God's character and on God's motivation. You see, the deceiver says, God knows that your eyes will be open when you. Therefore, God is holding back from you and me what you really need for significance and security. He's maligning the character of God. And then the ultimate is, you will become just like. There's a reward in your disobedience. The false rewards of going against God's word. This is an attack on God's word and his character. And it is directed towards you and me every day. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say. Jesus replied, the scriptures say. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say. The word incarnate uses scripture in the battle of life. The battle is knowing, believing, and obeying God's word now. This is the battle for taking new ground today. Part three the Savior. Where do we go before, during, and after the battles of life, living out the decisions we make and the circumstances that we find ourselves in as we are attempting to take new ground? I read from Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. That is why we have a great high priest who gone to heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us cling to him and never, never, never stop trusting him. This high priest understands of ours, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same, same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of gracious God. Sometimes I don't come boldly, I, I come staggering. I come crawling. Sometimes I need people to help me walk in that direction, but he says come anyway. Come to me. So let us come boldly to the throne of gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it. Cling to him. Cling to him. Trust him. He loves us. What do you in need today? At the throne of grace and mercy. Because this great throne is everything to us. My wife bought a plaque at one point, and I looked at it the other day, and I thought, let me share this with you. We are invited to stay close to Jesus, He is our rest. So you are comforted. Do you need comfort? He is our salvation, so you are delivered. Do you need deliverance? He is our provider, so you are satisfied. Do you need satisfaction? He is our encourager, so you are built up. Do you need to be built up? He is our father, so you are accepted. Do you need acceptance? He is our rock, so you are secure. Do you need security? He is our shelter. So you are covered. Do you need to be covered and protected? He is our maker. So you are loved. Do you need to be loved today? He is our captain. So we are protected. Do you need protection? He is our teacher. So, you do, do, so do you need instruction? He is our healer. So do you need to be made whole? He is our guide. Do you need to have direction? He is our victory. Do you need to celebrate and be triumphant? He is our shepherd. Do you need to be cared for? He is our confidence. Do you need assurance? He is our deliverer. Do you need freedom? He tells us in his word, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give so don't be troubled or afraid John 14:27 He says in 4, John 14:15 through 18 If you love me obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate he will never leave you you're never alone don't let the world lie don't take that deception in It is written. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as an orphan. I will come to you. It is written that you're not alone. How do you and I take new ground? First, have faith in your maker. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Second, the battle is for God's truth to win out. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful in my teachings, in my word. And you are will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Third, we have our Savior who invites us, who woos us. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it. Let us pray. Father, again, again, I know this word is for me I know that I have struggled with so many things that is written by your word but it is written it is written it is written and I will take you at your word and when and help me in my belief in my unbelief Lord and when the struggle is either well or not well May I come boldly to your throne of grace and receive your mercy and grace. Wow. Thank you again for your word, for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.